Well, I mean, it is so good to be back to two services. Uh, I was starting to feel a little claustrophobic uh, in the month of July, and uh, I, I saw some stare downs, uh, a couple, of, you know, with, uh, hey, you're in my spot. No, no, you're in my spot, and, but uh, you guys worked it out uh, like, like Scripture tells us to, all right? So, you, you know, great for you guys. Um, but, uh, man, we are, I mean, we kind of kick off a new season a new year of ministry between August and May um, today. And, uh, and so here, here's what's going on. I mean, we're back to two services. We added three kids' classrooms this year, okay? Because you guys um, are committed to, uh, to bringing your friends, inviting your friends who, who don't go to church. And they've been bringing their kids, and they've been bringing their kids' friends with them. And so, uh, so we, we added three new classrooms. And uh, and we, we've added, um, we're adding several new small groups uh, this, for this fall. And so what I'm asking you to do is that I mean, there's, there's some cards around here, uh, around the auditorium, that you would consider being a part of one of our ministry teams. Uh, because this, you know, things don't happen. You know, Gospel City Church is a church we all love. And, it, and it's not, you know, it's not just because of the band. It's certainly not because of the preaching um, but it's because everybody kind of locks arms together and does a little bit. Uh, and, and we promise we're not going to try to, we're, our, our goal is not to overwork or overcommit anybody. Our, most of our volunteer teams are every other week. And whether it be a greeter or working kids or set up or tear down or, you know, hospitality, all kinds of things. Uh, but it only goes, it only becomes the place that we love and the place that we have confidence to bring our family and friends who don't go to church uh, when we all partner together. And so this is one way for us to partner together um, outside of our prayers and outside of our finances is given our time and our talents. And so I'd ask that, you know, you would uh, prayerfully consider that and become one of our, uh, become one of somebody on our team. You put this card on the boxes on your way in. Thomas or somebody will give you a call this week. We'll tell you, get you all trained, all set up, ready to roll. And uh, then we have a big together rally here at the end of the month that Tanner will tell you about. So uh, where you get your new T-shirt and all that kind of stuff. So consider that, and that that church isn't something that that you that church wouldn't be something that we just do, but church would be um, who we are, and uh, and it's uh, and it's the body of Christ locking arms, serving our community and serving one another. So there's that. Well, today uh, we reach the end of the Old Testament in our series called Storyline. And what we've been doing since January is looking at this thread that runs through the entire Bible that points us to Jesus, okay? And, uh, and I know, listen, I, we've skipped a lot, okay? I get that. Um, we have skipped a lot, and the, uh, we have, um, we're, we're just kind of hitting the big stories. But I hope, our prayer is that our, our biblical knowledge our biblical literacy would increase as we see how these stories are laid out in a timeline, but also how they're connected together. And, uh, and hoping that throughout the week that you know, you'll read along and, and discover some more stories or go to the talkback class and discover some more stories to increase our biblical literacy. Um, so next week we start the New Testament. And I want to encourage you to read the New Testament between now and the end of the year as we go through it, as we hit some highlights in the life of Jesus that all of this has been pointing us to. Uh, in fact, there's 260 
260 chapters in the New Testament, okay? Now, now I don't, I'm not really sure how many days are left between now and the end of the year, maybe 150-ish. I, I don't know. Somebody can do the math. Uh, but I, I think if we just read two chapters a day, Monday through Friday, I think we could have it, have it read by the end of the year. Or listen to two chapters a day on your way to work or on your way to school or at lunch or on your way home. Just listen to two chapters a day. We would have the entire New Testament read between now and the end of the year. And how much more biblical knowledge would we know? So, so that's, that's where we're heading for the rest of the semester. But today, let's, let's wrap up the Old Testament. We're going to be in the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Now, now Zechariah was a prophet of Israel who ministered to the people of Israel. And this is how this all ties together over the last few weeks. Zechariah was the prophet who ministered to the people of Israel uh, while Ezra and the people rebuilt the temple and rebuilt the altar. And, and Caleb talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Zechariah is also the prophet who ministered to the people as they rebuilt the walls under Nehemiah's leadership. And we talked about that last week in vision. And, uh, and so, so Zechariah, he's tied to all of this. And Zechariah is given eight different visions about the Messiah. Now, when we say Messiah, we're talking about the one that God had promised to send to the people of Israel to redeem or rescue the people of Israel. And we're going to talk about one of those visions today that talks about how the Messiah or how Jesus ultimately defeats the devil. Now, now when we think about the devil, usually we think about in cartoons, right? I mean, we think about this fiery, you know, cartoon figure with horns and a pitchfork and a, and a tail. And you might recognize that uh, particular, you're like, hey, that's the Torchies logo. I've been there enough. Well, um, oddly enough, today's service is sponsored by Torch. No, I'm just joking. Uh, in fact, they, they said if you'll bring your bulletin to Torchies, you get 10% off today, okay? Uh, but the problem is we don't even have bulletins, you know? I mean, in fact, you probably don't even know what a church bulletin is, you know, if you didn't grow up Baptist uh, like I did. Uh, but this is kind of what we think about. And when we think about the devil, we think about this cartoonish, this fiery red figure whose uh, main job really is to tempt us. And, and that is one of his main jobs, as we'll see in a couple of weeks of how he tempts Jesus. Um, but the other main job of the devil is to accuse us. In fact, the word Satan mean, literally means adversary. It, it means accuser or, or prosecutor. Right? And, and so one of the main jobs of the enemy of Satan is to accuse us. So today we're going to look at three things about accusations because we've all faced them. And so, so three things. Let me just give them to you up front. We're going to talk about the problem of accusation, okay? the, the season of accusation, and then how do we deal with accusation? When, when the enemy, when Satan comes and accuses us, there's a problem, there's a season, and what, how, how do we deal with it? What do we do? So if you have your Bibles, turn to your table of contents and find your, the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Zechariah this morning and uh, is where we're going to be in chapter 3 as we look at a few verses this morning of how you and I uh, are to deal with the accuser, with uh, Satan himself. So uh, let's uh, kind of get into it as we talk about the problem of accusation and, uh, you know, it, and you know this, you don't need a preacher to tell you this, um, is that one of the main jobs of, of Satan is to bombard us with accusations. And that's what we see him doing today. So uh, verse, verses 1 to 3. 
This is Zechariah talking. He says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, uh, Satan, and, and Satan standing at his right side uh, to accuse him. Underline that. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So here's what we have. We have Joshua who, who is the high priest, okay? And he's standing uh, before the Lord and Satan is right there next to him uh, as the prosecutor. Now Joshua as the high priest, the high priest's role was to represent the people before God, and a high priest should be dressed in clean garments, okay? A high priest should be dressed in clean robes. A high priest should have gone through the, the ritual cleansing, the ritual washings to prepare himself to go into the presence of a holy Lord, certainly not standing before the Lord in filthy garments. But here we see Joshua standing before the Lord in these filthy garments. And what Zechariah is trying to get across to the people of Israel is that they were unacceptable to God because of their sin and their unrighteousness. That righteousness is about relationships, okay? Righteousness is about being right with somebody. Righteousness is about being acceptable and accepted, and here we see the people of Israel dressed, represented by Joshua, dressed in the filth of their sin and disobedience. And that makes them unrighteous and unacceptable before God. Now, now this is where we insert ourselves into the story. Because this is where we find ourselves. Because this is what sin does to us. This is what sin does in our lives, that our sin makes you and I unrighteous. Our sin makes us unacceptable to a holy God. There's no way around it. There's no bargaining ourselves out of it. There's no working our way out of it. Because of our sin, you and I, we have made ourselves unacceptable and unrighteous to God, which causes us to uh, ask ourselves all these questions at the, at, at the core of who we are. That, that we start asking ourselves, you know, you know, do I have what it takes to tip the scales my way? We start asking ourselves, you know, am I, you know, am, am, am I enough? Is, is, is what I do going to be enough one day? Am I, you know, and we start trying to prove ourselves so worthy to other people and to ourselves and to God. And we say, you know, am I enough? Do I, do I have what it takes? Am I, am I pretty enough? You know, am I, am I smart enough? Am I talented enough? Am I skilled enough? Am I wealthy enough? You know, am I enough? And, and you and I, we know, we know in our, in our heart of hearts that we're not enough. And the problem with the enemy's accusation is when we try to take that on in ourselves and our own abilities and our own performance, we know we're not enough and we are guilty as charged. And that's the problem with accusation. I don't know about in your life, but definitely for mine, it's true. So, 
So that's the problem. What about the season of accusation? See, the, the, this courtroom drama, it, it plays out all throughout the Bible. If you flip over, and you don't have to, I'll give it to you, but in Revelation chapter 12, John has this vision. And John writes, he says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah, Jesus. And for the accuser, that's Satan, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night. Now, now, as we think about the accusations that the enemy lies, you know, lays on us, you know, there's different things that kind of trigger condemnation and guilt in our lives. There's condemnation and accusation, different seasons. Um, may, maybe, maybe for you, it's a, it's a season of a difficult moments. That when a difficult moment, you know, comes into our lives, maybe it's a, unemployment or Maybe it's a sickness or an illness or, you know, a financial crisis or heartbreak or rejection or moments of trouble and despair um, bring about a season of accusation. Because when we're going through those moments, you know, here comes the accusation. You know, the accuser, he kind of leans in and he, you know, puts his hands on our shoulders and he says, hey, you deserve this. God is punishing you. You're guilty. And he just accuses us. He says, you deserve it. You know, it's one thing to be punished as a kid, or it's one thing to be punished by God. If it's just the punishment thing, then you know, that just kind of makes us mad. But to be punished and feel like either A, we deserve it, or B, there's nothing we can do about it, well, that's just defeating. Maybe, maybe for you, it's a season of trying to do something for God. And, you know, you really want to try to say something to someone about who Jesus is to you or who Jesus could be for them. And you want your friends and your family members and your classmates and your coworkers and your teammates and to know about the gospel and the love of God uh, on their lives. But, but here comes the accusation that, that the enemy, he, he leans in and he says, you have no right to talk to them about Jesus. <laughs> who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to talk about Jesus? You don't need to talk about Jesus. Just shut your mouth because you're not fooling anybody. The accusations come. Or maybe it's through prayer. You, you really want to get serious about praying and kind of figure out what praying is because it's got to be more than just offering up a wish list. And so you really start digging into the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and you start praying about some really major things in, in your life. But here comes the accusation and the enemy leans in and he says, you don't deserve an answered prayer. What makes you think he'll answer you Anyway, why would he even give you the time or day? God's got bigger things to do. He's got better people to take care of than you. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe it's a habitual sin. 
Maybe it's just this sin that you just can't seem to overcome and it rears its ugly head over and over and over and you've said a hundred times, this is the last time. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's sex outside of marriage. Maybe it's, maybe it's greed or, 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 or maybe it's gossip or maybe it's anger or unforgiveness or bitterness or, or, or whatever it is. Or it's just a sin that you are unwilling to repent of. And so you've kind of gone down this trail and you've kind of justified it in, in, in your head. And then the accusations come. And the enemy leans in. He says, if you were a real Christian, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be doing this at all. In fact, you're one of the worst Christians I've ever seen. And trust me, I've seen a lot of them. But you take the cake. There's no way God would want anything to do with you. And as we process these accusations in our lives, and I just kind of gave some generic ones. We could be really specific if we wanted to, but hey, it's a corporate setting, so let's not go there. But you can in your own heart, as I have in my own heart. Is that when we really think about the accusations, we come to discover that it's really not a season of accusation, but it's accusation 24-7. Because that's the main role of the enemy, of Satan, is to accuse us and to remind us of what we've done. So what do we do about that? What do we do? Do we just give up? Do we walk away? Do we live a life defeated? God calls us to so much more than that. How do we deal with these accusations? Well, let's go back to our courtroom scene. Okay, we have, uh, we, we have Joshua, the high priest, we have Satan, the accuser, and then we have the angel of the Lord. Like, okay, what, who is this angel of the Lord? Well, in the Old Testament, when we see the angel of the Lord, really that's a pre-incarnate Jesus. It's, it's Jesus before Jesus came to earth. And so not only do we stand before a, a righteous judge and God, and not only is Satan the evil prosecutor there, but we have Jesus Christ, our advocate, the real high priest. And the first thing our advocate Jesus says to Satan is that this stick, this person has been snatched from the fire. That the moment they put their faith in me, they were rescued. They were saved. Their debt was paid in full. And so Satan, you can quit it with the whole condemning, with the whole guilt, with the whole blame and shame game because this person belongs to me. That's the first thing that our advocate, that our defense attorney says. He reminds the enemy of who we are, not based on what we've done, but based on what he has done for us and our faith in him. Now, now here's the deal. Sin, it's still a part of our lives, okay? That when we put our faith in Jesus, we are forgiven of all of our sin in our lives, all of our sin in the past, all of our sin that we're currently engaged in, and all of the sin that we hadn't gotten to yet, okay? Now, now until we are on the other side of eternity, we're still going to be entangled with sin, okay? But we're still not going to be 
perfect, made perfect. But Romans 8, 1, the apostle Paul says, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Meaning that when we put our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us through his life, his death, and his resurrection, our sin can no longer condemn us to hell because our sin debt has been paid in full. Let's say that together. Paid in full. Let's say it again. Paid in full. We need to remember that as how we deal with the accuser. So hang on to that. Now let's get to verse 4. So as the angel said to those who were standing before him, he said this about Joshua, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Here we have atonement for sin right here in the Old Testament pointing us to Jesus. You see, our salvation goes beyond, way beyond just forgiveness of sin. See, when we place our faith in Jesus, our sins are not just pardoned, but we also receive his righteousness. We, we receive the righteousness of Jesus. And the righteousness of Jesus is placed on us, which makes us acceptable and righteous to God. And it's a righteousness not based on our performance. It's not based on our potential. It's not based on our past. It's a righteousness based only, say that word with me, only, say it with me, only, it is a righteousness only based on the person and the work of Jesus Christ for us. And so Jesus, as our advocate, as our defense attorney, he's not up in heaven in this grand courtroom scene, approaching the bench and saying, oh God, would you please, would you please give Steve another chance? Please, oh please, pretty please with sugar on top, give him another chance. I, I know he's blown it and I know he said a hundred times that this was the last time, but would you please just give him a break? That would be a terrible defense attorney. Because a defense attorney doesn't just plead for mercy. A defense attorney makes a case for us. And so Jesus, our advocate, he, he goes before the throne and he says, Holy, righteous Father, I know my client, I know Steve has broken the law. And, and, and the law demands payment. The law demands death. But look, look at my wounds. Look at my work. Look at my blood that I have paid his sin debt in what? What do we say? In full. It wasn't a deposit. It wasn't 10% down. It wasn't 3% down. It wasn't 20% down. It wasn't 99% down. Jesus paid our debt in full. And Jesus says, and holy, righteous Father, it would be unjust for you to take two payments for a sin that's already been paid for. And so I'm here at court today and I, 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 I don't demand, I don't demand mercy. I'm not begging you for another chance. I don't demand mercy. I demand justice. Because his sin, his debt is paid in full. It's paid in full. And this is how we deal with the accuser. We have to realize that our salvation 
is based on faith in Jesus and by through the sovereign grace of God and not our good deeds. God does not choose us because we're really good people. God does not choose us because we go to church or we even sign up to be on a ministry team. God does not choose us because we have all this potential to do really good things for him. He doesn't choose us because our past is less scandalous than somebody else's. But God chooses us because he loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent his only son to live the life we can't live and die the death that every single one of us deserve. And the band's going to come and they're just going to lead us to, to respond. But, but as they do, let me just ask you, what, how are you going to deal with the accusations? Because if we're going to try to deal with them with our own record and our own performance, guess what? We are guilty as charged. But if we deal with them through the death and resurrection of Jesus, they're paid in full. So the next time when we try to pray and accusations come, or the next time we try to open our mouths and tell somebody about Jesus and the accusations come, The next time we're going through a difficult moment and the accusations come and we think we're being punished, we need to remind, need to preach to ourselves that our sin debt is paid in full. Not by anything we've done, but by everything that Jesus Christ has done for us. We need to remind ourselves and then we need to tell, remind the accuser, I am a child of the one true king, not because I deserve it, but by his sovereign grace. I'm a child of the one true king and my sin debt is paid in what? Full. And so Satan, you just need to shut up because I'm forgiven and I'm moving forward. So hear this, know that no sin is too big for God. No habit is too big for his sacrifice. But my prayer for us today is that I hope we realize what Jesus has done for us and that we could really sing that song, I bring my whole life to you. Not not because we wanna be better people, not because it makes us more religious, not even, not even because we ought to, but because we want to. It is with so much gratitude that I give you this area of my life. And I'm scared to death to do it, God, because it means that I'm not in control, but you are. But I want to give you my whole life. I want to give you my finances. I want to give you my family. I want to give you my job. I want to give you that sin that I keep saying, this is the last time because you've done so much for me and I'm forgiven and my sin debt has been paid in full.